Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. So good to see all of you here today. I just, uh, I think one of the happiest times of my week is being here on Sundays. I know, you know, you say you're the pastor and all that stuff, but I really appreciate seeing so many of you. Well, all of you, I, that's really bad, right? Like so many of you, I mean some that aren't, but um, yeah. Why don't we open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 1. And today I want to talk with compassion. And the message is it starts with the heart and leads to action. And uh, I was going to have it, it ends with action, but the action never ends. So that's why I changed it a little bit. It, 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 real compassion leads to something. Something happens after you have that experience with compassion. So before we start, what I want you to do is answer this question. You can answer this question either personally or turn to the person next to you. I know it's a little uncomfortable sometimes if we say, hey, everybody just turn to one another. You might be sitting next to someone you don't know and you're like, "Mm, I don't want to talk with them or somebody you're mad at. And uh, so here's the question. When was the last time you felt strongly in a grieving sort of way about someone in need. When was the last time you felt strongly in a grieving sort of way about someone in need? And uh, you might need about 10 or 15 seconds, so I'll give that time to you. If you want to turn to the person next to you, feel free to do so, just to kind of get us warmed up and into thinking of what is compassion. All right? Go ahead. Think or share. Hopefully, uh, it stirred something within you. Personally, uh, I experience compassion whenever I hear a story about a pastor who has experienced a blindsided termination. A blindsided termination is when out of nowhere the church says, we're done with you. It reminds me of 1996 as I was having a conversation with another pastor in our church, not this church, but another church, and an elder, and our conversation was about vision, like where do you see the church going and how that works out. And at the end of the conversation, they said, you know, this was a really great conversation. We'd like you to leave. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) Where did this come from? And um, I have to be honest with you. uh, The feelings that I experienced was that I was shocked. uh, I was devastated and incredibly felt betrayed. Because, you know, to me, one of the things about church is that sense of family and brotherhood. And when your brothers look at you in the eye and say, hey, we don't need you anymore, that's a, a complete rejection of who you are and what you do, and a rejection of the theology of family, at least for me. Now, that experience, it changed my life. And thankfully, it changed my life uh, in a good way. Because even though we had a difference of what that vision was and how it would like to be, it did actually change my life. And in the end, these two gentlemen actually asked me to stay as we continued to have conversations. Now, I tell you that because... My future hope, my future desire is that one day I will be able to minister to other pastors who have either gone through that or are going through that. And the unfortunate thing is, is that there are a lot of them out there. Statistics say that about 1,500 pastors a month are either leaving their churches or asked to leave. Compassion. That experience taught me a lot about compassion. When I hear it happening to someone else, I can actually feel the pain that they feel at that moment. 
It's a reminder of what I had experienced. So today I want to look at a story in the life of Jesus, and I want to help us to see what compassion is, and uh, my excuse is to journey, but that it's more than a feeling. If you're in the 80s rock music, you know what I'm saying. If you're not, that went totally over your head. So let's turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. It reads this way. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. One of the things that I'm learning in this class that I'm taking for spiritual direction is how to read the Bible differently. And and I shared with you, I think, if not at least in the Lenten devotionals, the way I'm trying to help our youth group learn how to read the Bible is to read it slowly. Part of that reading slowly is what they call Lectio Divina. It's the idea of holy reading or reflective reading where you're taking a short passage and you're actually thinking and working your way through it very, very slowly. Like, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. That kind of holy reading that takes you a little bit deeper and grows in that. And another way that they're trying to teach us to get more into the Word of God is the sense of picture yourself actually being in the scene. Like, to to join that moment. Now, I know it sounds kind of weird, and some people think that is a little strange, maybe not right, because we're thinking stuff that's extra biblical. But I think that God has given us an imagination for a reason. And so I'm going to ask us to imagine. I'm going to try this. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to try to create a picture in my mind and hopefully in your mind. It's going to be different. Like, if you've ever read a book, I could read The Hobbit and see Frodo differently. Well, not anymore, because you've got the picture of him in the movie. But originally, you'd see Frodo differently. That's fine. There's not a specific way you have to do this, but I want to encourage us to imagine that we are there and hopefully get some sort of feeling and understanding of what's actually going on. So I choose, if I'm going to read this, to be not Jesus and not to be the leper, but actually someone in the crowd, someone who's actually watching Jesus and this leper interact. So here's what I want to do. Imagine that you are in the crowd. Okay, so kind of get that in your mind. Maybe you have people standing around you. Um, Jesus is there, whether he's seated or standing. I don't know. All I know is that Jesus is there, and he is probably teaching. So he's, he's saying something. And in the midst of this, as Luke 5 tells us, as Jesus is one of the cities, in one of the cities, that this man approaches Jesus. And this man, as he's coming, is breaking all the standards of exclusion. You see, realistically, as you see this man approaching, whatever it is, you're standing, walking, sitting, whatever, as you see this man approaching, there's a thought that goes inside your head. It's, that man obviously has leprosy. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that this man is coming forward and saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. In a sense, if you could kind of put it today, a little excursus here, if you had COVID, and you walked into a room where other people didn't, you'd probably want to say, hey guys, I have COVID. Now, of course, you wouldn't want to be in the room in the first place. 
Hopefully you would have stayed home. But just in case, if that was what it was like, you would say, I have COVID. <laughs> and everybody takes off and you're still by yourself, hopefully. But this is where this man is supposed to come forward. He's supposed to be saying, I am unclean. I am unclean. I am unclean. That's the only thing that he can say because he's letting people know, here is a leper. I have leprosy. I'm contagious. The man draws near, and obviously he's desperate. And, and here it says that in Luke 5, it says he's covered with leprosy. So I don't know. Can you flip that picture up there for me, Tim, really quick? I don't know if you can see this picture. Sorry about the image. This is, I came up with this this morning. Um, but if you can see this man, you can see that he is covered with leprosy. Now, mind you, he's more dressed. Lepers back in those days would have more tattered clothes so that you could obviously see and pick them out in the midst of all that. Now, that is not a pretty picture. And I'm not saying anything against the man, but it's the way that the disease has ravaged his body. So you really don't get a full picture of it because he's so covered. But if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the end of his hand. So this is kind of the idea that here's a man, Luke 5 says, is covered with leprosy. He's coming to this crowd of people, and he says to Jesus these simple words, if you're willing, you can heal me, make me clean. This man is desperate. See, because the law says, bro, you can't do that. You cannot do that. You cannot approach anyone. In fact, when anyone approaches you, you're supposed to go the other way. But this man is desperate. He's desperate because he approaches Jesus. And most likely, and you can take this picture down, but most likely here is a man who is grotesquely deformed because of the disease that he has. His clothes are in tatters. Imagine that. His body covered with sores. He looks bad. He smells bad. And quite possibly he makes his request in a raspy voice due to the effects of the disease. He's been living in exile Labeled contagious, he may even be on the verge of death, afraid not only to die, but to die alone. Now think about that. He's desperate. He may very well know that soon I'm about to die, and because he's excluded from society, can't hang out with his family, can't do any of that, he is desperate. It reminds me early on in COVID, where I was talking to Mary Choi, And she was explaining to me the grief that she was experiencing because one of her patients was on the verge of dying. Young man with a family. And the only way he could interact with his family was through the phone. I can't imagine that. I cannot imagine that if I'm about to die, there is no one around me and how sad I would be. How much that would grieve me. How much it would scare me to think that I couldn't say to my loved ones before I passed that I love you. So my feeling is, is I'm in the crowd and I'm looking at this man and I'm seeing there's a desperation there. He's about to die perhaps. Die alone. He has no family, no job, no friends. Can't worship. He basically has no hope. His request in a raspy voice Filled with humility, he begs Jesus to help him. This is where that desperation comes. Have you ever been like in a place where you've, you've begged something? You, you really, you, I really, really need this, man. I really need this. And to approach someone and say, I have a need. You can meet it. Can you meet it? That's the desperation that this guy has. 
And now KJ's laughing over there because he's thinking that that's how my dating life was, where I would say, please date me, please, I'm so lonely. I know you were thinking that, bro. That's the idea. This man, in a very serious moment, he's begging, he's beseeching, he's imploring. And, and, and it's not just like a casual conversation like, yo, Jesus, what's up, man? Uh, you can see I'm a leper. Uh, can you heal me kind of thing? No, it's, he, he, he gets before Jesus without the, all the unclean stuff, and he literally gets on his knees, which this isn't too bad, even though it's a little dirty, and my wife's probably going to be mad I got the pants dirty, but he gets on his knees, and he's begging Jesus, will you make me clean? I know you can. Please be, be compassionate to me. And that's the place that he's in. He's in a desperate place. Now, if you're in the crowd, what are you thinking? And again, this is where we go back into using our imagination. You're in the crowd and is in your crowd. This event is, this is absolutely shocking. Like, what's going on here? I don't get this. I mean, this guy, how dare he break the law? I mean, the law is pretty clear, bro. You're supposed to come and say you're unclean. You're not supposed to interact. And not only do you, you break that law so much, you just kind of walk up to us without saying anything, fall on your knees, and you start begging Jesus to heal you. Nuts. And then you look towards Jesus. So in your mind, if you can picture Jesus, and you see something in his eyes. You see something in his manner. Something has changed. You know, Jesus having a conversation, teaching, and he sees this man, and you look at his eyes, and it looks like anger. And the religious person in you goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tell this guy, look what he's doing, man, all the troubles that he's gone. He's contagious. We're all going to get this leprosy. But then you also notice something about the eyes of Jesus. You notice that there's a sense of sorrow, a sense of grief. And, you, and we read here, it says, we read that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus moved with compassion. <coughs> there's a fire in his belly. He's not just sitting there going, yeah, dude, what's up with you? You're not following the law. But there's this fire in his belly, and, and you see the anger that he has about the fallen world, and, and, you, and you see the grief that he has, and you see the compassion that he has, and something's changing in you because you're like, man, this is not what I expected. And Jesus moved with compassion, completely moved with compassion, reaches out, and he touches the leper. Thinking to yourself, man, what's going on here? I don't understand, Jesus. This doesn't make sense to me. Because initially you assume the reason that Jesus was angry because this guy did something wrong. But now you're beginning to think, wait a minute, something else is deeply going on here. I'm watching Jesus. I'm observing Jesus. I'm expecting Jesus to act in a certain way. And yet he acts so differently from what we would expect. And he reaches out. And he touches the man. He touches him. I mean, he's not even supposed to be in our presence. And now this Jesus who we've been listening to teach reaches out. And if you can, if you can picture, even picture in that mind, that would not be a comfortable moment. It would be as I hear some uh, students say, "Ako taco." Okay, this is an awkward moment. And he reaches out. And he touches him. Can you picture that in your mind? Here is this man that everyone is like giving space to. Whoa, leprosy, man. Don't go near him. He's, he's there on his knees before Jesus. Cleanse me, please. I know you can. Will you? Will you? Will you do this? And Jesus steps forward and he touches him. He just simply touches him. 
and the man is cleansed. What do we learn from this story? What do we learn from this story? Because if you've had it in your mind and you've been that person in the crowd, you go from this sense of righteous anger, what's going on here, to a place where what just happened? Wow! What's up with this Jesus guy? He touched him, and now look, he's clean. So if you can go back, you don't have to go back to the picture, but if you can go out in your imagination back to that picture and see this man completely restored, you are like, wow! Wow! Jesus moved with compassion. Here's the first thing I want us to understand today. Compassion starts with the heart. Compassion starts with the heart. What moved Jesus to heal this man? If you read the verses, it's not necessarily the man's request. That's a part of it because he did. But Jesus was moved with compassion. He felt the man's pain. He felt the agony of his isolation, his physical distress, his social isolation, his religious isolation. The man's plight triggered Jesus' compassion. He was angry at the way this fallen world has ruined things. He grieved at the way this fallen world has ruined things. He felt it, and he felt it deeply. He felt it in his gut. It's something that grabbed him. It moved him, not touched him. You know, like, touch, like, I was touched by that message, which means, yeah, I heard what you said. That was pretty cool, pretty insightful. Okay, what's next? Like a squirrel, right? What is that movie um, with the squirrel, whatever it is? I don't remember what it is, but the, the tension of the dog, squirrel, squirrel. That's kind of what it means to be touched. But he was moved. It was like, man, this has so gripped me. It would be like if I walked down there right now and I grabbed Pastor Dave and I pulled him up and I hugged him. Moved. That's real movement. There's a sense of like, this is something that really, really matters to me. And Jesus here is moved with compassion because he feels it and he feels it deeply. He enters into the place of where that man is in the midst of his leprosy. And his response is what? He reaches out and he touches the man. You see, compassion starts with the heart. Why I look forward to this ministry in the future is because when I hear the story of any pastor, any person really, there's a lot of stories that, that, that grip my heart, but, but when I hear the stories of them being blindsided, it, I can feel it. I mean, 1996 is like, what, 26 years ago? And I can still feel it. I can still feel that sense of absolute betrayal of people who could look you in the eye and say, I want to be the best and I want to help you be the best. And then a few weeks later say, now the best thing for you is to go. To feel that. I can feel it. Jesus felt this. But the cool thing about Jesus' compassion, it's not just, bro, I feel it, man. I am so sorry for what's going on in your life. I wish I could give you a better answer. But he's moved with compassion, and it leads him to do something. You see, compassion that just feels it is not really compassion. It starts there. But it continues with action. Something must happen. If you read scripture at all and you just look at Jesus and look up compassion, here's just a few of the verses that I found. Matthew 14, Jesus moved with compassion. (coughs) He did something. He was healing people. He healed and he fed. If you read Luke chapter 7, when he comes across the widow 
who had lost her son. He was moved with compassion. And so what he did is he prayed for the son and raised him from the dead. Mark 15, or Mark 8 and Matthew 15, once again, Jesus moved with compassion, feeds the crowd, feeds them again because he, he feels where they're at. Matthew chapter 9, he again, because he looks at this crowd and he goes, wow, they are weary, they are scattered, they are like sheep with no shepherd. He is again moved with compassion. Matthew 20, the two blind men, Jesus, heal us. Again, he's moved with compassion. If you want to really understand Jesus and even be like Jesus, you have to understand that Jesus has a lot of compassion. He feels the pain. He feels the grief. And he enters into that and then he does something. He makes something happen. Because it's good to have compassion that begins in the heart. It's good to have a strong feeling about someone else's misfortune and to see that, to see their pain and not to say, man, I understand, go and be filled or just pray for them. But how can I enter into that with you and actually walk with you heart to heart? Not just hand in hand, which is important, but heart to heart. And it causes me then to want to do something. That's who our Jesus is. Because the cool thing about Jesus, he reached out and he touched him. He did something. That man, it wasn't just, dude, I'm with you. But it's, bro, be healed. Instantaneously, he's healed. Because Jesus meets a need. Because that is what his compassion is about. Meeting those needs. It's not just feeling something. Jesus felt something and then continued with compassion by touching a person who had a great need. Now, I'm wrapping this up. I know that sounds crazy. But think, go back in your imagination to that question that I originally asked you, which was this. When was the last time you felt strongly in a grieving sort of way about someone in need? You got that? Now what'd you do? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. What I'm trying to get you to see is that the compassion that you have for someone has another step to it. It's actually doing something. Who is the outcast in your life? Right now, the person in your life that you know has a need. Now, mind you, we're not meeting someone who has leprosy today. But you're probably coming across someone who is sitting there and saying, my life, not worth it. If I died, nobody would miss me. Nobody would care. I even would have to imagine that there's someone even here in our midst right now today who feels that, who needs a compassionate touch, someone to come alongside of them and say, I feel your pain as you explain this to me, and what can I do to meet your need? There may be someone here who feels lonely. You go to school and you're left out. You go to work and you're left out. There may be someone in your life who's an outcast, someone at work who's just plain weird, and you think to yourself, no one likes him. Why should I? And the answer I think that Jesus would say is because I want you to have compassion for all, for the outcast, for the lonely, for those who are desperate, for those who need a miracle, those who are crying among us and saying, God, where are you? And God says, here they are. Here I am. These people, they're my people. They're my hands. They're my feet. They're my heart. I want them to feel your pain. And I want them to enter into your life and act and do something. 
Because that's what compassion does. Compassion feels. Compassion acts. Now, if you've ever been with me to Tuba City, I love going to Tuba City. We may never go to Tuba City again. It's kind of disappointing. But I just, I, I love going to Tuba City and trying to meet the needs of the population that's there. The reason I go is the movie the Dan- is Dances with Wolves. How many of you have seen that movie? I know some of you are like, yeah, it was a little historically inaccurate and all the other stuff. But I remember after watching that movement, and it was, we were just like newly married. We're in our apartment in Glenview, and I had to go in the, in the other room because I didn't want my wife to see me, and I was just bawling, bawling. Because I just saw injustice, and I was like, dude, this is not good. It really grieved me. And it's what led me to want to get involved in Native American ministry. It's why I do it. That's what compassion is. Not just a feeling, but it leads to action. Who is the leper in your life? Just think for a moment. Who is the leper? Who's the outcast? Who's the lonely? Who's the hurting? Who's the needy person in your life? There has to be someone. I just can't imagine. You might not see them right now, but they're there. Who are they? And then rather than just rushing in, but what is it that God really wants you to do to show them Jesus and his compassion. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes, and I just want to give you a moment. Who is that leper? And God, what do you want me to do? Who is that leper? God, how do you want me to express your compassion? Because God is a compassionate God. talk about this, I want to land the plane in a second way as well. So not only think about who is that leper and how God wants you to meet a need in his name. It's this. Isaiah 64, 6 says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf. And our wrongdoings, like the wind, take us away. Isaiah says, Are you a human being? Then you are like a leper. Your sin has isolated you from God. It has separated you from God. No matter what you do, no matter how you try to cover it, you are still a leper. You are still a sinner. God sees that. But it doesn't end there because Exodus 34 Verses 6 and 7 says this. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithfulness for thousands, who forgives wrongdoing, violation of his law, and sin. This is your God. The compassionate God The God who sees our need to be cleansed from our sin. That's the compassionate God who sees that. And he doesn't stay in heaven 
and go, man, they have a need. He says, I send my son. Jesus sees that need and says, I want to go. Let me go. Get me down there. My compassion. I see that need. I want to meet that need. And I want to ask this question today of everyone here, because I cannot read hearts. Have you come to that place where you have met Jesus in your need? Have you desperately come to Jesus and said, I am a leper. Here's my sin. It's all there. You know it. I know it. If you are willing, make me clean. And the response of Jesus is pretty simple. Yeah. Come. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. You see, our God is a compassionate God. And in our leprosy, he wants to cleanse that. You may have already believed in Jesus, but you may be in a place where you need a refreshing of the love of God in your life because you've become so familiar with sin that you've no longer recognized the voice of God. And the call of our compassionate Father is, Come! Come! Come. So today we learn compassion starts with the heart and continues with action. And for us to be the kind of people that God calls us to be with hearts of compassion, we first come to him with our own leprosy, with our own desperate need to be cleansed, to receive that cleansing that God gives through Jesus, where he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Let me pray for us. Oh God, our God, unbelievable. I just, um, when, I, when I read stories sometimes in the Bible, I, I'm just not with it. I, I just sometimes wonder, what are you up to? I can imagine being in that crowd, and I can imagine being one of those people that's complaining about why does this guy come? Where did he, who does he think he is to do this to us? How dare he? And then to just watch you, Jesus, reach out, not just touch an expression of affection, an expression of love, but heal as well. God, you are so good to us. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Your goodness, your kindness, shown in the ways that you express your love, shown in the ways that you invite us into your presence, shown in the ways that you will cleanse us from the things that we do over and over and over again. And yet you say, turn from that, but come. Turn from that, but come. I will give you something better to eat. I will give you something better to drink. I will give you a feast that is so much better than the fake feast that you think actually satisfies. You are a compassionate God. You come, Jesus, you came, experienced our lives. You went through all that sorrow and even all that suffering 
and pain. You entered into where we were at. You did something. And my prayer for us is, Father, really, Holy Spirit, fill this place with a sense of your compassion. Compassion we receive because of your mercy and grace. And a compassion that we can give to others who are in great need, who are in our face, who surround us on a daily basis, who may be in this church now, who are outside of the church, who are in our neighborhood, where we work, wherever we walk. You, Jesus, did not expect this. It came to you. And so I pray that we as a church, sensitive to your spirit, filled with your compassion, will seek not only your face, but seek that lost sheep, that lost person, that hurting person, that person who might very well be saying, God, I'm done. Kill me. And if you won't, I will. I'll take my own life. May we meet those people this week and like Jesus, reach out, touch them, because we have been moved with compassion. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.